You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers, Bang and Dang here for another edition of the most accurate and in-depth podcast about outlaws, gunslingers, criminals, lawmen, and everybody else in between. And today we're going way back, 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 back into the into the our our roots, as people say. Roots are on fire. By request from a random email, which somebody pointed this out, said, "How in the world did you guys do Wild West and not include this guy?" And we're like, "How in the hell did we not include this guy?" There's only been there's only been every movie based off of this guy you know so we said well we'll go back to wild 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 west and rectify our uh, mistake here with butch cassidy and you're gonna see the sundance kid come in and you're also gonna see the wild bunch gang come in as well so wow, going back to where we first started wild bunch. without all the profanity that those uh, old wild west episodes uh, <laughs> had so here we go. Robert Leroy Parker, better known as Butch Cassidy, was a train and bank robber, yes, who led the Wild Bunch gang of outlaws who operated throughout Utah, Nevada, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. He was born on April 13, 1866 in Beaver, Utah. Hang on, uh, um, uh, outlaw guy from Utah? You don't hear that. The first of 13 children of British immigrants, Maximilian Parker and Ann Campbell Gillies. The Parker and Gilly families had converted to the Mormon faith. Oh, that's why while still living in England and Ireland before immigrating to America. Wow, they even had Mormons over there? England and Ireland. I think that's where they came from. And they Aren't traveled to Utah. From Canada or something, didn't they? And they had to go somewhere. <laughs> far, far away. Upstate New York. Started in upstate New York in the 1820s. How the hell did it make it to Ireland and um, Britain so fast? I don't know. Weird. Well, that's crazy, right? What was his name? Um, Which one? The The guy... The prophet? Oh, there's a lot of them. The guy? It's um BYU. Yeah, bring him young or bring whatever. Him, bring him young. But I don't know if he started it. He was the one that led them to Utah. Right, 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 right. right. It was some Peter Parker guy or something. It's, yeah, something like that, yeah. It was founded by Joseph Smith. Yeah, Joseph Smith. Yeah. And then uh, Brigham Young's the one that took over and led them all to Utah. That's He's responsible for Utah being the Mormon states. Oh, Utah. Oh, Utah. And they're racist as hell there. <laughs> Ooh, uh, 1879, the Parker family moved to a piece of property near Circleville, Utah, where they farmed and raised cattle. Good for them. Robert left home during his early teens and went to work on a dairy farm. Where he formed a close relationship with a cowboy. Cowboy. And known cattle wrestler who called himself Mike Cassidy, an Mike. alias for John Tolliver J.T. McClammy. That's a hell of a name. Um, Cassidy, huh? J.T. McClammy. <laughs> McClammy. My name's Mick, Mick, Mick. Hey, McClammy. Hey, McClammy. <laughs> when I tell you about that, J.T. 
great Scott JT. I <laughs> <sighs> called himself Mike Cassidy, but his uh, his real name is John Tolliver McClammy, right? McClammy. Yeah, they call him JT. Later, Parker worked on several ranches as well as being briefly employed by a butcher in Rock Springs, Wyoming, where he acquired the nickname Butch. Later, he borrowed his friend's last name, which is Mike Cassidy, and began to name himself Butch Cassidy. My name is Butch Cassidy after my good friend Mike Cassidy, but his name's really not Mike Cassidy. His name is John Tolliver <laughs> J.T. McClammy. <laughs> all right. Dude, what's up with these guys? They're all got uh, pseudonyms. They're all like wrestling names. Uh, Butch Cassidy's first criminal offense was minor. Okay. Aren't they all? Nope. Around 1880, he journeyed to a clother shop in another town, but found it closed. Well, he was like, well, whatever. I'll break into the shop, and I'll steal a pair of jeans and some pie. Hey. Leaving an IOU promising to pay on his next visit. Hey, why not? Well, the clother uh, pressed charges on him, but Cassidy was acquitted by a jury. What the hell? How do you get acquitted of stuff like that? Right. You clearly committed the crime. I needed pants, and I was hungry. Oh, man, poor boy was hungry. I left an IOU. Right. I promise I'll pay you back. Well, he's got a good point. <laughs> All right. Butch continued to work on the area ranches until he turned 18 in 1884. After he turned 18, he moved to Telluride, California. Colorado, that is, not California. Telling his family that he was going to seek work in the town's silver mines. Because I'm mm-hmm. going to do some silver mine work. They're making good money down there. Mm, that's what I heard, Pa. However. However. He didn't mention that he would be driving a herd of <laughs> stolen horses down to Colorado. Ooh. I don't think why would he mention that. You know what they do with horse thieves. Mm-hmm. Mm. There, he took a few honest jobs while continuing to hustle horses. Or rustle them. <laughs> right. <laughs> he hustled them, too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he also met a man named Matt Warner, okay. the owner of a racehorse, and Cassidy was soon immersed in the horse race scene. Well, it's race horses, wasn't it? Wider? Wasn't he, wasn't he a horse Wyatt? racer for a minute? I don't know if he was a horse racer. I think he was a horse, horse race better. He owned a horse, too, yeah, I believe. I think so, right? Uh, Cassidy's first bank robbery, here we go, uh, took place on June 24th, 1889, when he, Matt Warner, and the McCarty brothers, Tom and Bill, mm. robbed the San Miguel Valley Bank and Telluride. Stealing approximately 21,000. Wow. Fleeing into rough country, they lost their trackers in a wilderness of canyons, hidden valleys, and high peaks known as Robber's Roost. Okay. That's for the Robber's Roost. (laughs) It's a popular hideout for gangs, so why would you go to a popular hideout hideout for gangs anyways if everybody knew what the hell was going on? Right. Hmm. 1890, with a share of the loot stolen in Colorado. Cassidy purchased a ranch on the outskirts of Dubois, Wyoming, Wyoming, <laughs> uh, where he was known to have rustled cattle and horses. Come on, dude, you got a ranch and you got money. You got to keep rustling cattle and horses? <laughs> right. Jeez. This location is across the state from the, across the state, here they usually say across the street. This location is across the state from the notorious Hole in the Wall. A natural geological formation and a popular hideout for outlaw gangs. Oh, jeez. So he goes to another popular. Right. Um. Uh, including Cassidy's gang, right. which is who, who was who was hiding here. Mm-hmm. So some historians surmise that the ranch was never economically successful, but rather was a facade for clandestine activities. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he was like, "I'm just put, I'm gonna I'm gonna set up my ranch right near these guys where a lot of these rustlers come through, and that's my front." Right. Mm. Mm. In early 1894, Cassidy became involved romantically with outlaw and rancher Ann Bassett. Uh, her father, rancher Herb Bassett, did business with Cassidy, supplying him with fresh horses and beef. That same year, Cassidy was arrested at Lander, Wyoming, for stealing horses. Oh, Ooh, horses. he was sentenced to two years in Wyoming State Prison. You only got two. Well, they didn't hang him. 
1894. They're coming a little more civilized. Yeah, yeah, they're getting a little better with their ways. Uh, Wyoming State Prison in Laramie, where he served 18 months of a two-year sentence. Mm, almost He was two then years. released and pardoned in January of 1896 by Governor William Alfred Richards. Okay. So this yeah. guy had connections to this guy, apparently. Right. How did he get pardoned? And he pretty much served his whole term. Huh. All right. <laughs> Upon his full release in 1896, Cassidy resumed his life as a criminal with several other well-known outlaws, including his best friend, William Ellsworth Elsie Lay. <laughs> Elsie Lay. Right, they call him Elsie Lay, so his name is William Ellsworth Lay. They call him Elsie. And his buddy, Harry Longball the Sundance Kid. Longball the Sundance Kid. Then you got Ben Kilpatrick, tall Texan. Kilpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> Kilpatrick, yeah. Uh, and Harvey Logan. They call him Kid Curry. Kid Curry, why? I don't know. You like curry when you was a kid? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think in the 1890s there was readily Indian food available. All right. So you got Butch, LZ, Sundance Kid, Tall Texan, and Kid Curry. Kid Curry. All right. They formed nucleus of the group known as the Wild Bunch. Wild Bunch. Cassidy embarked on what was, is considered the longest stretch of successful train and bank robberies in American history. The longest stretch of successful Others in the group included Harry Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust a guy with two first names, right. let alone one of them being a girl. Right. William Carver, they called him News. News. Well, he probably had all the news. And Laura Bullion. Laura. Bullion. Bullion. Yeah. Uh, and then you got George Flatnose Curry. Hey, another Curry. Right. The group took its name from the Doolin Dalton gang, who were also known as the Wild Bunch. The Doolin Dalton gang. We've covered them. Um yeah. Yeah, that was about 20 years, well, 10 years probably before them, so good for them. Well, their first robbery as a as a wild bunch occurred on August 13th, 1896, when Cassidy, Lay, Logan, and a man named Bob Meeks, so they got all these members of the game, but still got a, a random guy named Bob Meeks. Bob Meeks. Bob Meeks, come join us. Everybody's got to have Bob Meeks, though, in their group, right? Uh, yeah, I think he might have been in a couple... Yeah, they robbed a bank at Montpelier, Idaho, escaping approximately $7,000. That's not worth it. Uh, it would be followed by numerous robberies in South Dakota, New Mexico, Nevada, Utah, Wyoming, and Montana. Hey. Between their robberies, the men hid out at the Hole in the Wall Pass, located in Johnson County, Wyoming, where a number of outlaw gangs had their hideouts. <laughs> and they didn't, like, bust up for territory or nothing right, like that? Right, like, come on. It was shortly after this robbery that Cassidy recruited the Sundance Kid into the Wild Bunch. All right. In early 1897, Butch Cassidy was joined at Robber's Roost by Ann Bassett and Elsie Lay's girlfriend, Maude Davis. Oh, Maude. Oh, Maude. The four hid there until early April when Lay and Cassidy sent the women home so that the men could plan their next robbery. Y'all get out of here now. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Distracting us from what we really got to do. Right. April 22nd, 1897. The pair ambushed a small group of men carrying the payroll of the Pleasant Valley Coal Company in Castlegate, Utah, okay. making off with some $7,000 in gold before fleeing back to Robert's Roost. Mm. The outlaw loot was never recovered, and many believe it was hidden by the gang somewhere near Robert's Roost, located along the outlaw trail in southeastern Utah. How do they know they didn't sell it? Right. Or, yeah. Well, I don't know. It was never recovered. Somebody would have uh, bought it up by now, right? All right. June 28, 1897, six bandits, including Kid Curry, George Flatnose Curry, Sundance Kid, Tom Peep O'Day, Harvey Logan, and Walt Puntany, 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 
robbed the bank at Bell Forge, South Dakota. This robbery was obviously not well planned as the gang got away with only $97. Oh, no. It was the one that uh, robbed um, the gas station. Wasn't it like one of the Prohibition guys robbed it for like $2.63 or something? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I think so. Uh, And Tom O'Day also was caught hiding in a saloon privy. Mm. Oh, wow. What a bunch of idiots. He was later tried but acquitted. What a bunch of idiots. Plintony was also captured, but the charges were dropped. Oh, no. Was this Utah? Yeah, I guess. Or South Dakota. So they've already had Deadwood and all that stuff. You think they would be a little more harsh on these guys? Right, especially. Mm. June 2nd, 1899. The gang, including Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, Harvey Logan, LZ Lay, robbed a Union Pacific Overland Flyer passenger train (laughs) near Wilcox, Wyoming. That's so stupid. (laughs) They wore masks made from white napkins. 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 Can ride a train. Can rub a train. Can rub a train full of napkins. Napkins on my face. Napkins. We're gonna rob this place. <laughs> leave without a trace. Union Pacific Overline flying passenger. Train. Train. <laughs> <laughs> we got napkins on our face and they're plain white. <laughs> Don't smite. <laughs> Possibly. This is a hold up, all right. <laughs> they wore they wore masks made from white napkins, possibly pilfered from a Harvey House restaurant. This hold up, which yielded between thirty and fifty thousand dollars, made the gang nationally famous. Of course, it did, and resulted in a massive manhunt. The New York Herald stated. They were lawless men who have lived long in the crags and become like eagles. Ooh, lawless men. In a time when lawlessness was dying down, man. White witnesses reported six masked men. Mm, that the possibly two, could have been uh, had napkins. Right, napkins. The two additional men may have been George Curry, Lonnie Logan, or Bob Lee. Well, that's uh, putting it out there, huh? Right. Who knows? <laughs> the gang split up afterward. A common employed to throw off pursuers. And several fled to, you guessed it, New Mexico. New Mexico. They weren't going to old Mexico. No, going to New Mexico. Well, many notable lawmen of the day took part. In the hunt for the outlaws, but they were not found. Who were the notable outlaw or uh, hunters? Right. During a shootout with lawmen following the train robbery, both Kid Curry and George George Curry shot and killed Sheriff Joe Hazen. Uh oh. Tom Horn, who was a killer for hire, employed by the Pinkerton Agency. Uh oh. We we didn't even do anything on the Pinkertons either. We should have. Yeah. They got a long extensive things of bringing people down. I'm sure. Obtained information. Uh, the killer for hire, Tom Horn. Or Tom Horn. Obtain information about the Hazen shooting and then pass this information to Pinkerton Detective Charlie Seringo, Uh-oh. who was assigned to the task of capturing the outlaws. Seringo became friends with Elfie Landusky, who was using the last name Curry after allegedly becoming pregnant by Kid Curry's brother, Lonnie. What the hell? Through her, Seringo intended to locate the gang. All right. Okay, so... Uh, Got himself an informant. Mm, Inside. Mm. I wonder how he's pulled that off. Right. 11th July. 1899. Some of the gang members robbed a Colorado and Southern Railroad train near Folsom Blues Prison in New Mexico. Well, it's just Folsom Prison. No, just Folsom, New Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Folsom Prison's not spelled like that, and it's in California. Right. Uh, Without Cassidy's presence, they they went there. No, no, they didn't need him. No Cassidy there, just a wild bunch. Yep. After camping at the head of the Dry Canyon in northeast New Mexico... Sam Ketchum. Hey, Ketchum. Yeah. Heard of him. Bill Carver. Heard of him, too. And LZ Lay 
made off with some $50,000 hairs. Dang, did they uh, share it? Mm, I'm sure. They were soon pursued by a posse to a hideout near Cimarron, New Mexico. Cimarron, New Mexico. We got a whole episode about that wild-ass town. Go back in the archives and look at that. Yes. The outlaws were better armed with high-powered rifles and smokeless powder, while the posse had conventional black powder guns, the smoke of which gave away their positions. Excuse me, smokeless powder? Yeah, man. How does that work? Crazy. It must have been a new invention. When the hell did smokeless powder become a thing? Originally invented in 1884, the most common formulations uh, during the late 19th century. So 1884 they had them, and uh, it's probably pretty... Nice. It was all over the world by then, too. Well, it was. It had to be, man. It's the best thing in the world. How how have we had all these episodes on the Wild West and not heard of smokeless powder before? Right. Nobody nobody used that? Hmm. Well, however, however, Sam Ketchum and Elsie Lay were both wounded in the gun battle and captured. Uh-oh. The posse fared even worse with two of its members, including Sheriff Edward Farr, killed, and another posse man injured. Sam was taken into custody but developed gangrene from his wound. Oh. On July 24th, 1899, he died in the Santa Fe Penitentiary and was buried in the Oddfellow Cemetery. <clears throat> cemetery. Oh, wow. Cemetery. Hell of a way to die. Yeah. On August 16th, Elza Lay was arrested and later tried and convicted for the murder of Ed Farr and sentenced to life. Mm. Carver escaped to ride with the Wild Bunch. Well, I'm sure he did. Yeah, he's in a while. Lived to ride another day. Yep. Yeah, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> with each new robbery. The Wild Bunch became the, better known. The, the Bunch. Right. They became better known and better liked by an American public eager to read about their exploits. Always are in this day, dude. Unable to stop the Bunch, the Union Pacific Railroad went so far as proposed to Cassidy a pardon in exchange for the promise of ending his robberies oh, shit. and coming to work for the company as an express guard. What? It's like, hey, stop robbing us and why don't you just, <laughs> why don't you just come to work for us? Right. Pay we- you good. Jeez. How much you stealing from us? We'll double that. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. And Cassie's like, nah, I'd rather well, just rob it from you. What an idiot, dude. <laughs> wow. February 28, 1900. Lawman attempt to arrest Kit Curry's brother, Lonnie, at his aunt's home. Mm-hmm. Lonnie was killed in a shootout that followed. Wow. And his cousin, Bob Lee, was arrested for rustling and, and sent to a prison in Wyoming. Can't rustle. Well, here comes the downfall there, apparently, mm-hmm. huh? 28th of March, 1900. Kid Curry and News Carver were pursued by a posse from St. John's, Arizona, after being identified passing currency from the Wilcox Wyoming train rob scene. They was marking the bills back then, even, huh? Right. Well, I don't know about those marked bills. Well, the posse engaged them in a shootout during which Deputy Andrew Gibbons and Deputy <clears throat> Frank Lesseur were killed, and Carver and Curry escaped. Oh, no. On April 17th, George Curry was killed in a shootout with Grand County, Utah Sheriff John Tyler. Man, they're all going down. And Deputy Sam Jenkins. Wow. On May 26th, Kid Curry rode into Moab, Utah, and killed both Tyler and Jenkins in another shootout in Dang. retaliation for the deaths of George and Lonnie. Dang. Dang. So he rode in by himself. Holy Took goodness. out the sheriffs. Man. Or the deputies. Right. He's, where was the other? What the hell? This Kid Curry guy. On August 29th, 1900, Cassidy... Longabaugh, a.k.a. Sundance Kid, and others robbed Union Pacific Train Number 3 near Tipton, Wyoming, of about $55,000. Dude, they're making out money. Dude. Uh-huh. The five bandits included Butch and probably Sundance and Harvey Logan. Um, It just said Cassidy, Longabaugh, and others. Probably Sundance. That was That's Longabaugh. Anyways, also suspected were Ben Kilpatrick, Will Carver, Kid Curry, Tom Welch, and Billy Rose. Tipton was the first crime in which Butch and Sundance are generally agreed to have teamed up. Uh-oh. 
Oh, really? Right. So that's like three years after the gang's formed. All right. Okay. They're doing other, you know, leading stuff over somewhere uh, yeah, else. Yes, so there's like captains, right. different different uh, regiments. Like, are you ready will. to do this together? Let's do it. Less than a month later, 19th of September, 1900, three or four bandits struck the first national bank of Winnemucca, Nevada, stealing $32,000, 640 Jeez. Sundance, Carver, and Logan are thought to have participated, but nobody knows. The bank's head cashier, George Nixon, at various times agreed and disagreed that Butch was present. Yeah, he was. He was. Well, no, well, maybe he was. You know what? I think that fella was there. Well, on second thought. I can't <laughs> say he was, though. <laughs> a few years later, a newspaper recounted a conversation in which Sundance supposedly disclosed that he, Butch, and Carver were all responsible. Of course he's yeah, going to. I'm sure they did. Right. Um, in December of 1900, Cassidy posed alongside Longball, Harvey Logan, Will Carver, and Ben Kilpatrick in Fort Worth, Texas for the now-famous Fort Worth Five photograph. Oh, uh, the Fort Worth Five. The Pinkerton Detective Agency obtained a copy of the photograph and began to use it for wanted posters. Idiots. Uh, they look pretty good for being a, a gang. Yeah, man. Nice clothes. and I mean, they should. They're robbing nice. millions of dollars, equivalent of today, so better be dressed damn good. They didn't look like the typical outlaws. All right. They're sophisticated outlaws. Right, sophisticated. Mm. William Carver and Ben Kilpatrick remained in Texas, and on April 1st, 1901, Carver was ambushed by Sheriff Elijah Briant and his deputies at Sonora. Williams was shot, William was shot by Bryant, Briant and died from his wounds three hours later. So they went to Texas just for uh, the picture? <laughs> Jeez. Or they were obviously there, took a picture, and then Carver and Kilpatrick was like, you know what, I think uh, we'll stay here. Right. July 3rd, 1901, Harvey Kid Curry Logan and a group of men robbed a Great Northern train near Wagner, Montana. This time, they took over $60,000 in cash, equivalent to 1.73 million today. November 8th, 1901, Ben Kilpatrick and his girlfriend, Lauren Bullion, Laura. Were, right, were captured in St. Louis, Missouri. Dang. You can find them in St. Louis. Kilpatrick was found guilty of robbery and sentenced 15 years. Well, Laura was sentenced to five. Oh, she'll get out on good. She behavior. served oh, three go. and a half, and Laura was released from the Missouri State Penitentiary. Mm -hmm. But but she would never see her lover oh, again. No. Uh, Harvey Logan then headed to Tennessee, where in October his girlfriend Annie Rogers oh, had man. been arrested in Nashville for passing notes from the Montana robbery. Uh oh, dude. They got this shit stretched out far across the country where, how do they even know? Right. It's not like they can scan them, so they literally have to, um, they would have to be reading every single note serial number that they're taking in if this is happening. Right. Unless they, like, were, uh, I, don't, I don't know, this chick looks a little, uh, right. not from this town, a little, ra little ragtag. Put that aside. And on December 13th, 1901, Harvey Logan killed two Knoxville policemen, uh -oh. William Dinwiddle, and Robert Saylor when they tried to apprehend him. Oh, no. Uh, Annie Rogers spent time in jail until she was acquitted on June 18th of 1902. Acquitted. Man. Acquitted for passing notes. How do you get... I don't understand the acquittable process that these guys <laughs> right. back, in, back in the day, dude. What the hell? In a pool hall on the 30th of November, 1902, Logan was captured after a lengthy physical fight with Law. Lengthy. So, uh... Right. Physical fight, too. So they're punching each other and bang, bang, bangs. Forever. <laughs> Just going from, it's like the uh, it's like the chicken and um, yeah. uh, Peter fight. from yeah. Or Homer and Peter. Yeah. He was convicted of robbery because 
facts. <laughs> <laughs> he was convicted. <laughs> he was convicted of robbery. Facts. <laughs> Why? Or because facts. Facts. <laughs> he was convicted of robbery because facts in the murder of the two policemen were not definite. And no witnesses would testify. So he wasn't convicted. He was convicted of robbery, but not murder. Oh, and murder, yeah. Right. And he received a sentence of 20 years of hard labor and a $5,000 fine. So 20 years of hard 20 labor. 20 years of hard labor? Right. Shit. That's like, I've been working on man. He goes, well, 20 years of hard labor? What? In prison? No, you're getting set up with a wife and three kids and a mortgage. He's like, ooh. Ah. <laughs> ooh. That's the sound of a man working on a chain gang. Well, just about six, seven months later, June 27th, 1903, Logan said, enough of this hard labor. Mm -hmm. I'm out. Rumors that a deputy had received $8,000 bribe to allow his escape spread. But this, this was never, was never proven. proven. I guarantee that's how it happened, though. Most likely. A year later, he participated. A year <laughs> later, he participates in a robbing of the Denver and Rio Grande train near Parachute, Colorado, on June seventh, nineteen oh four. So we're in the early nineteen hundreds, and these dudes are still right. doing these robberies. Right. This is usually when the outlaws of this time are uh, right settling down or right selling their stories to new paper, newspapers. Right. right. Well, two days later, a posse caught up with the outlaws, and in the confrontation, Logan was wounded. Yeah. However, However, rather than go to prison, he took his own life. Oh, oh what no. a pussy. Why would you do that? He was 37 year old. He's 37 years old when he died on June 9th of 1904. What a douche. What a douche, dude. Wow. Mm. In the meantime, with the gang breaking up and feeling continuous pressure from the numerous law enforcement agencies pursuing them, Butch Cassidy and Sundance fled to New York City. New York City? Right. On February 20th, 1901, along with Etta Place, uh, Sundance's female companion, they departed for Buenos Aires. That's in Argentina, guys. Mm -hmm. Aboard the British steamer Hermeninus. Hermeninus? Hermeninus? Hermeninus. Cassidy posed as James Ryan, Place's fictitious brother. After their arrival, they settled in a four-room log cabin on a 15,000-acre ranch. Damn. That they purchased on the east bank of the Rio Blanco near Cholila. What the hell they need 15,000 acres for? Right. Just east of the Andes in the Argentine province of Chubut. They probably had one of the biggest lands in um, Argentina at that time. Well, you know how much money they probably well, got. Well, I know, but I'm saying, like, why would you even do that to yourself? 100,000 down there to probably buy a couple acres at least. 15,000. Now everybody knows who you are. You hear these two, uh, those right. two Americans just came in town, purchased 15,000 acres. Right. Mm. Mm. On February 14th, 1905, two English-speaking bandits, oh, no. who may have been Cassidy and uh, Sundance, held up the Banco de Terrapaca y Argentino in Rio Gallegos, 700 miles south of Cholila. They then escaped north across the Pentagonian steppes. Steeps. It's like a mountains, right? Yeah, sure. On uh, May 1st, fearing that law enforcement had located them, the trio sold the Cholila Ranch and traveled north to the San Carlos de Bariloche, where they embarked on the steamer Condor across Nahul Haupi Lake <laughs> and into Chile by the end of the year, however. I am, however. They had returned to Argentina, and on December 19th, 1905, Cassidy, Sundance, Place, and an unknown male associate robbed the Banco de la Nación branch in Villa Mercedes, which was 400 miles west of Buenos Aires, taking 12,000 pesos. Pursued by armed lawmen, they crossed the Pampas and Andes to reach the safety of Chile. 
Oh my! These, these guys, guys are just over there. Uh, like we got new country boys. <laughs> what is this? And these guys probably they're they're uh, military and lawmen probably freaking suck. No, or they're probably you know corrupt as hell. Right. Well, that too. Yeah. Wow, some crazy stuff going down in uh, Southern America. Jeez. Thirtieth of June, nineteen oh six. At a place to say that she had enough. Because I'm sick of being on a run. I can't do this anymore. I want to go home. And Sundance was like, I'll take it. I'll take it, baby. Back to San Fran. Well, Butch Cassidy, under the name alias James Santiago Maxwell, obtained work at the Concordia Tin Mine in the Santa Veracruz range of the Central Bolivian Andes, where he was joined by uh, Sundance upon his return from oh, taking his missus home. I'm surprised oh, he made it. Right. Their main duties included guarding the company payroll. <laughs> That's probably not good. Yeah. Still wanting to settle down as a respectable rancher. In late 1907, Cassidy traveled with Sundance to Santa Cruz, a frontier town in Bolivia's eastern savannah. So he's like, let's, yeah, let's just see if we can get a land there right. and uh, see if we can just settle down to it. Right. The facts surrounding Bush Cassidy's death are uncertain, though. It's about to happen on November 3rd, 1908, near San Vicente in southern Bolivia. A courier for the Aramayo Franque and Sia Silver Mine was conveying <laughs> his company's payroll worth about 15,000 Bolivian pesos by mule when he was attacked and robbed by two masked American bandits believed to be Cassidy and Sundance. The bandits then proceeded to the small mining, mining town of San Vicente, where they lodged in a small boarding house owned by a local resident miner named Bonifacio Casasola. Well, Forgive us if we get these names wrong. Well, uh, Casasola became suspicious of his two foreign lodgers. Yeah, I sure he did. A mule they had in their possession was from the Aramayo mine, identifiable from the mine company brand on the mule's left flank. Ah, oh, what a moron. Right. Casasola left his house and notified a nearby telegraph officer who notified a small but believing army cavalry uh, stationed nearby. Uh-oh. The Aberroa Regiment. Uh-oh. The unit dispatched three soldiers under the command of Captain Justo Cancha to St. Vince, Vince, Vincente, where they notified the local authorities. Jeez, what? Uh, Why would they? They're the right. freaking army. Why would right. they notify the local authorities? Right. On the evening of November 6th, the lodging house was surrounded by the soldiers, the police chief, and the local mayor, and some of his officials, who intended to arrest the Amarillo robbers. Mm. Well, when the soldiers approached the house, the bandits opened fire, killing one of the soldiers and wounding another. A gunfight then ensued. At around 2 a.m. during a lull in the firing, the police and soldiers heard a man screaming from inside the house. Soon a single shot was heard from inside the house, whereupon the screaming stopped. Minutes later, another shot was heard. The standoff continued as locals kept the place surrounded until the next morning when, cautiously entering, the authorities found two dead bodies, both with numerous bullet wounds to the arms and legs. One of the men had a bullet wound in the forehead, and the other had a bullet in the temple. Oh, so they did a murder-suicide su- murder to uh, right. end it, huh? All right. But the local police report speculated that, judging from the position of the bodies, one bandit had probably shot his fatally wounded, wounded partner to put him out of his misery right. just before killing himself with his final bullet. right. In the following investigation by the Tupiza police, the bandits were identified as the men who robbed the Arameo payroll transport but the Bolivian authorities didn't know their real names, nor they could, nor could they positively identify them. I mean, mm. right? I'm sure there's no fingerprints on record in Bolivia of these guys. Right. The bodies were buried at the small San Vicente Cemetery, where they were buried close to the grave of a German miner named Gustav Zimmer. Okay. 
Although attempts have been made to find their unmarked grave, no remains with DNA matching the living relatives of Cassidy or Sundance have been discovered. Mm. Through the years, have there been claims that the pair killed on Bolivia were not Cassidy and Longabaugh? Oh, have we heard this before? Right. One story alleged that Josie Bassett claimed that Cassidy had come to visit her in the 1920s after returning from South America and that he didn't die until about 1940. Another claim was made by a doctor named Francis Smith, who claimed that he had treated Cassidy, who told him that his face had been altered by a surgeon in Paris, <laughs> and then he showed Smith a repaired bullet wound that Smith recognized as work he had previously done on him. Yeah. Um, that's possible. Who was the ones that was getting plastic surgery? Yeah, there's one people. Oh, that was the Prohibition guys, though. Right. That was, this was way ahead. Right. Way ahead of the time. Locals of Cassidy's hometown of Circleville, Utah, claimed that he had worked in Nevada until his death. Notably, Cassidy's sister, Lula Park Bettinson, stated that her brother Butch had returned to the family home in Circleville. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) That's all. He he was here. (laughs) In another town, Bags, Wyoming, a popular destination of the Wild Bunch during their raiding years, others claimed that Cassidy had visited in the 1920s as well. But wait a minute. Cassidy's sister wasn't done yet. Uh She also reported that Butch lived out his years in the Northwest. And died in 1937, and that the family had agreed not to de- not to disclose his final resting place since, quote unquote, they had chased him all his life, and now he's going to rest in peace. Mm, I think they <sighs> don't know where he's at. <laughs> Despite his criminal background, by all accounts, Cassidy was a charming thief who was well liked and who was who never, it is believed, killed anybody. Mm. Cassidy also had a reputation for keeping his word, as one story goes, on the night before he was to begin his sentence. Cassidy asked to be released, promising he'd return to jail the following day. Authorities took him at his word and let him go, and Cassidy returned to them the following morning. I mean, I mean. His life and death have been extensively dramatized in film, television, and literature, and he remains one of the most well-known icons of the infamous, wild, famous, wild, wild west. west. Hmm. Butch Cassidy. Butch Cassidy. Sundance Kid. Sundance Kid. To be honest... Uh, everybody else in the gang was way more badass than uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Right. Because uh, they did, like, nothing. Right. Everybody else was, like, gunning people down and doing stuff. And this guy's like, well, we're going to run away to we're gonna run away to Argentina. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about those. This is the first time I've, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you guys, this is the first time I've read uh, or even heard of. I've never seen a Butch Cassidy movie in my life. No, I never was a Butch Cassidy fan. No, and there's a reason, good, well reason, and I will never, ever see a, <laughs> never, ever see a Butch Cassidy movie in my life because this nope, shit is whack. I'm going to get it. Not this time. Which Cassidy ain't always uh, mucked up to be, is he? Right. Well, and these previous robberies, were there any of them that was just Butch and Butch Sundance? And, no. So I, I find it hard to believe for them to go all the way down to South America and then start and then robbing. Just them two. Just the two right, of them. Just two of them. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe they were alive till 1940, but it doesn't even. Oh, this is, I don't know. Yeah, this should have been. Butch Cassidy should never got movies or nothing named after him. Nothing. He should have been the Wild Bunch or something. No, he shouldn't even or got. Been, uh, he shouldn't even got this Outlaws and Gunslinger show. No, he shouldn't. <laughs> have. It should have been like um, Kid Curry or right. something. He did more stuff than these guys did. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> well, that was a listener request, anyways. And uh, there you go, listener. There you go, listener. Um, <laughs> we. Jeez, oh, because there's actually a couple. Kid Curry, for one. 
and the Pinkertons we never covered in the Wild Wild West. So I don't know if we uh, might come back to it. Obviously not right away, but we got we we got some more Wild West stuff we can come back to for sure. Right. And uh, yeah, I think uh, next week we'll return to our regularly scheduled programming, as in um, probably the Hell's Angels, which was originally planned until uh, we got this, but. I guess you had to give it to Butch Cassidy. Everybody knows mm. Butch Cassidy, so you had mm. to give it a had to give it a whirl. Mm. And I don't like it <laughs> at all. Man, so sorry do? for you, uh, Butch Cassidy lovers out there. Not uh, not impressive at all. And in the list of the twenty whatever outlaws and stuff we've done already, they're probably on the bottom. Right. Because uh, yeah, these guys. I mean, their gang members were cool. Yeah, the gang <laughs> members are cool, but that's about it. Yeah. Butch and Cat, or Butch and Sundance themselves? No, nah, overhyped, overhyped. Well, with that, we'll be back next week, probably for Hell's Angels. You already know. Don't quote us on that. It could be something totally different. Never know. It could be, uh, yeah, it could be anything. So, it could be anything. Yeah, Outlaws and Gunslingers, Butch Cassidy, and the Wild Bunch should have just been just the Wild Bunch, right? We'll be back next week. Outlaws and Gunslingers with the Mouth of Michiganers with Bing Dang.